one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Hey now, everybody. It's it's Nick again. It's just me. Matt's gone. He's he's on another vacay with the family. I'm glad that he's getting out there. He's enjoying his time after his vaccinations done and in, in a, a semi post COVID world. Now we're in a CV Delta world. We'll just call it that. But uh, I'm glad that he's out there enjoying time with his family. And uh, and you guys get to enjoy a solo cast with me. It seems like Matt and I have been having a dueling solo casts recently just because of life and everything else that's been going on that's that's prevented uh, us from having a, a duo show together. It's been kind of weird. Um, last week, you guys had the the entertaining guest of visual approach photography, one of my favorite photographers recently in, in the Star Wars toy, toy community. So um, if you haven't listened to that show already, it is up and available for you on all podcast platforms. So make sure to check that out. And then after Mr. Approach hops off the show, Matt takes you back in for a nice solo landing with just himself. Uh, and this show, there's no guest. It's just me. It's just me. And, and you know how it goes on a solo Nick show. I don't like to take up three hours of your time just by myself because one, if I talk for three hours straight, I would hate myself and two, you would hate me as well. So I'm going to try to get you out here in a nice hour and 20 minute long at max kind of pace. And to be honest with you guys, there's really uh, not a ton that's going on right now in Star Wars world. Obviously, we have episode 14 of the Bad Batch out. That's uh, War Mantle. And we will get to that one soon. But I do want to touch on a couple of things before we get to the Bad Batch break down and it's just some some uh some little star wars news before we get there i just want to tell you what i've been up to so i wasn't here last week because um unfortunately i i was home but we were having some construction done on the house specifically we were having our floors replaced and unfortunately there was just a lot of noise going on Uh, They had to, so they removed our previous floors and they had to grind down the, like the sub flooring to make sure that everything was level and, uh, you know, all, all things were up to snuff for the new flooring going in. And they were literally grinding the floor in two rooms that are right next to the uh, podcast recording HQ here in Austin, Tejas. And I was I was tracking it and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it with sound. I even sent Matt a sound recording from my phone of what it sounded like. It, it, it basically sounded like a like a full on construction area in my home. So it, it was not conducive to boarding, especially with the guest uh, joining us. So I didn't want to distract from, you know, the the, the awesome stuff that that Matt and, and visual approach were able to talk about on the show. So that was the situation for me last week. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it suck. But outside of that, I do I do have some recommendations for you guys who, you know, sometimes come to us for recommendations about games, potentially for TV shows and stuff like that. So uh, my girlfriend and I have been watching multiple TV series and we actually finished three TV series last night. Uh, one of them was Cobra Kai. I, I had talked uh, a little bit about this in the discord a few weeks ago when we first started it and uh tones one of our good buddies mentioned that cobra kai was awesome it gets better every season and he's right we've just finished season three of cobra kai on netflix and it's fucking top notch so if you are a fan of the 
Karate Kid movies from the 80s, um, make sure to go watch Cobra Kai on Netflix because that show is it's really fantastic. And they do a great job of paying homage to the old movies, but also building the characters and telling stories that make sense essentially 30 years later. Um, so that's an awesome series. The second one that we finished uh, the first season of, the second season comes out in August, is called The Other Two, which is a really funny show on HBO Max. Um, it, it stars, the only star that you might know from that is Molly Shannon. Uh, if you're a fan of Saturday Night Live uh, from back in the early 2000s, late 90s, um, you know who Molly Shannon is. Uh, also, if you've seen like, you know, uh, Night at the Roxbury or Superstar or any of the movies, like any of those kind of like SNL type movies from back back then, she was she was usually in those too. Um, that show is hilarious. It's about uh, a family that has the youngest kid uh, basically turn into like a TikTok star and become globally famous. And it but it follows his two older siblings as they are like struggling to make their way in New York. It's it's a truly hilarious show. Definitely watch it. And the third one that we finished was High School Musical, the musical series. Now, yes, I was not a huge High School Musical fan. I hadn't seen any of the movies before we started watching it. Uh, but Taylor is a massive High School Musical fan. So um, we just finished season two of that show. And if you are a fan of those movies from, from you know, the, the DCOMs, the Disney Channel original movies from the 2000s, it's definitely worth checking out the series. It's really well made. Um, all of the... The kids that are in the show are incredible vocalists, incredible dancers. And um, if you're a fan of Olivia Rodrigo right now, this, that's essentially, you know, uh, her her big project before she turned into a global singing superstar. So um, that's what I've been up to. I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy 14, actually, the Final Fantasy MMO. And I've been really enjoying that. So if you're a fan of like Persistent Worlds or MMO type games, I would definitely recommend final fantasy 14 um it's a really refreshing take on a western mmo it doesn't look like garbage like a lot of western mmos do do uh, the story being told is actually really good and i like the combat systems in it too so if you're looking for a game to play i would recommend final fantasy 14 or Pokemon Unite on Switch. I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Unite with uh, with a couple of my friends uh, here in Austin, and it's a really fun game. It's a really it's a it's a more casual take on a MOBA that that features some of your favorite Pokemon, and overall, it's just something that you can do quick. The games are literally on a ten minute timer, so they can't go longer than ten minutes. And it's a it's really fun. It's a really fun competitive game to play on your Switch. So I would check that out too. So that's kind of the the Nick Life update. Um, I we so I will be here for sure unless there is a massive unforeseen uh, circumstance that pops up. I will for sure be here next week, the tenth. Uh, which is when we, we record on Tuesdays. So I will be here for the next week's recording and I will be here for the 17th recording. Um, so no worries there. No worries there. So hopefully Matt and I can can group back up, have a good bros cast again 
next week. But uh, who knows? Because life is fucking weird, right? Um, but you know what? Let, let's get into it. Let's get into the Star Wars stuff that's happening now, guys. And the first thing I want to talk to y'all about is a brand new original special that was just announced today. Today, as in August 3rd, Tuesday, August 3rd. Um, and that is Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales. That's going to be coming to Disney+. Plus. This is a, uh, a Halloween special that's going to hit Disney Plus on October 1st. And uh, as it is described on StarWars.com, this is a post-Rise uh, of Skywalker event starring Poe Dameron and BB-8. Um, so this is kind of the blurb on the show from StarWars.com. It says, after the events of Star Wars, the Rise of Skywalker, Poe Dameron and BB-8 must make an emergency landing on the volcanic planet of Mustafar, where they meet the greedy and conniving Garbala or Grabala the Hut. The crime boss has purchased Darth Vader's castle and is renovating it into the galaxy's first all-inclusive Sith-inspired luxury hotel. Look at that. While waiting for his X-Wing to be repaired, Poe BB-8, Grabala, and Dean, a plucky and courageous young boy who works as Grabala's mechanic, venture deep into the mysterious castle while Vader's loyal servant, Vanay, uh, uh, with uh, Vinay. Along the way, Vinay shares three creepy stories linked to ancient artifacts and iconic villains from across all eras of Star Wars. As Vinay spins his tales and lures our heroes deeper into the shadowy underbelly of the castle, a sinister plan emerges. With the help of Dean, Poe, and BB-8, uh, with the help of Dean, Poe and BB-8 will have to face their fears, stop an ancient evil from rising and escape to make it back to their friends. Um, some of the some of the voice actors in this, uh, you, you guys might uh, recognize. So Tony Hale is going to be voicing Vinay. Um, Tony Hale is, is, he's been in a lot of comedic series. So if you've watched Arrested Development, he was Buster Bluth. If you watched Veep, he was Gary. Um, he's a really, really funny actor. So uh, cool to see him in, in this uh terrifying tale series uh poe is not going to be vo uh, voiced by oscar isaac this time he's going to be voiced by uh a voice actor named jake green um so uh, a bit of a change there uh oscar did voice poe in the resistance tv series but we know now that he's busy with other things um so yeah so jake green will be taking the role of Poe Dameron in this one and uh another Star Wars favorite Mary Elizabeth McGlynn um is returning to uh voice the droid NIL8 uh you gotta like that right Annihilate good stuff uh Mary uh has been in Star Wars Resistance she was in episodes she was uh Governor Price in Star Wars Rebels and uh, I mean, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn is a is is a really a rock star of the voice acting world. If you're not familiar with her work, she's she's really a, a joy. And she was also one of the critical guest stars on Critical Role. If you watch the uh, D and show, Critical. Um, so there you go. So um, generally, these stories, these Lego tales, aren't canon from my recollection. Um, especially like these, these holiday, like, you know, like the holiday special. And I don't think 
this one either will be considered canon. Uh, I don't know if they want to lock themselves into a canonical representation that Vader's castle on Mustafar was literally bought by a hut and then being and then turned into a uh, turned into a hotel. <laughs> so uh, we'll see where that goes. But um, that is a brand new announcement from from Star Wars and Lucasfilm. That's going to be coming out October first on Disney Plus. Lego Star Wars: Terrifying Tales. Uh, so keep your eye out for that. I, I I'm pretty sure it'll be fun. And if it if these stories, you know, these these tales that Vinay are telling are from all eras of Star Wars, I assume that we could get some cool like some cool lore about Old Republic days. Maybe bringing in somebody like Malak, like Revan, like Darth Bane. You know, some of these old Sith that are kind of lost now to new canon. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, which stories they tell, if it's stories that we're familiar with, are there characters that we're familiar with, and, and you know, the, the path down which these tales take us. So uh, very cool, very interesting stuff there. Check it out, October 1st on Disney+. Plus. Uh, next up is a quick little story here from, uh, from The Wrap, I believe, Digital Spy. Uh, that's who it was. And it's a it's a story about uh, Felicity Jones and her openness to returning to Star Wars as Jen Erso. Um, I think it's pretty widely accepted now that Rogue One is probably the most loved Star Wars movie that has been released by Disney. Um, it seems like that's kind of the consensus out there. I know that Matt and I have voiced our opinions on our favorites from the from the from the Disney timeline. I think Matt says Rogue One. Mine is definitely TFA with Rogue One a close second. Um, but if you've seen Rogue One, then you know that that Jyn Erso is the the main character. This kind of plucky, not quite rebel who essentially helps to give the rebellion the Death Star plans that they need to take it out and the beginning or at the end of episode four and hope um but you also know that Jin urso and cassian andor get pretty much completely vaporized at the end of the movie um so there was never any thought that that her character may return to star wars especially in a post uh in a post rogue one fashion because it would just not be possible um but there have been have been like you know conversations had about her potentially returning in a pre-rogue one timeline maybe in the casting and or tv series if there is a way to weave her in there um we know that cassian and jen met for the first time in rogue one so it wouldn't be easy to do it you would have to kind of have offshoot plot lines and other things happening to bring jen in in a completely separate fashion um so it would be interesting to see how they do that but felicity herself is very much open to returning to the role of Jen Erso. Um, you know, she was promoting her her upcoming film, The Last Letter from Your Lover, and uh, she was asked, you know, would you be willing to return to the role of of you know Jen Erso in Star Wars? And she literally says, "Never shut the door on Jen Erso, never." And uh, and as I mentioned, you know, it, it's just a limited, limited time 
frame for her to be able to return. You would you would essentially have to you would have to bring her back soon enough before Rogue One to where she's not really like a teenager or a child and she could still be played by Felicity. Um, but you could not have it after. At least most people don't think you could have it after. Um, because according to Felicity, she was having a conversation uh, with someone. It could have been a fan. It could have been a, you know, somebody else that she was familiar with. But essentially, this is what she said. She said, I was having uh, this conversation with someone the other day and I was trying to say, uh, you know, about Jin returning after Rogue One. Uh, she says it, it's a bit of a nuclear fallout at the end of the film. And they were like, no, it didn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like they die. And then she says, and I was like, well, there you go. There's a chance of a comeback. Uh, I don't know who she was talking to. Uh, it was not clear from this. And she didn't go on to say <laughs> about, uh, you know, who she was talking to. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty clear that her and Cassian both died in that ball of fire that literally consumed their whole bodies at the end of Rogue One. Um, but the way that I put it in the story up on StarWarsTime.net is that death is only permanent about 60% of the time in Star Wars. Uh, we've seen people, you know, literally fall down exploding chasms of, of Death Star at the end of Episode 6 with, with uh, Palpatine. He was still alive. Uh, we saw... You know, uh, Ben Solo at the end of Tross get thrown down a massive pit and to his assumed death, and he was not dead. Uh, and many other times where characters should have died and didn't die, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Jen and Cassian at the end of Rogue One are about as dead as you get. Um, so if there was ever to be a return... To Jenner, so for Felicity Jones, it would have to be in some sort of pre-Rogue One content. And I would even venture to say that it would be in the Cassian Andor series if there's some form or fashion uh, to bring her back in through that avenue. Um, but it is nice to know that, that a character, that an actor from the Disney Star Wars era is happy to return to the franchise. Um, and... I'm sure we would all, you know, we would all love to see it if, if it would be possible for Jen to make a return. So good stuff there. Felicity Jones definitely open to returning as Jen Urso. Okay, here it is, everybody. I'm gonna, we're going to start talking Bad Batch here. And before I get into episode 14, War Mantle, I just want to give you my thoughts on episode 13 because I was not able to do that in the last one. Um, 13 infested was definitely another one of those little pit stops that you take in a in a long form tv series you know well you know a short form tv series in terms of format but we're assuming that this is going to be a multiple season type of show it hasn't been confirmed excuse me it hasn't been confirmed yet there's been no confirmation that the bad batch will continue past season one at this point but Given the way that the show is progressing and given the stories that are that are unfolding in the show, I would assume that a a second season is all but locked in. Um, also, given the fact that, you know, this is uh, created and, and, and blessed and run by the the Lord and Savior of Star Wars right now, Mr. Dave Filoni. Um, 
it's it's a to me it's a foregone conclusion that there'll be a season two. I mean, I could be proven wrong. It's very possible that there won't be a season two, but I just feel like the the amount of time that this show has to to tell stories in terms of canonically in universe, you can definitely safely have a season two without worry of of running into anything else for a, for a bit. Um, so episode thirteen infested is. The way that I'll put it is it's it's one of those episodes that we conveniently forget about exist in in Clone Wars now. Um I I everybody loves Clone Wars now. Everybody loves Clone Wars um you know not e- not even after, you know, season 7 necessarily, but like after it had wrapped even the uh the the final kind of cut off Netflix final season um Everybody loved it. And and the the big thing and the big reason why everybody loved it is when you have something in its totality, when you have every episode completed and you have the story uh, wrapped up, or at least what we thought was wrapped up at the time of, of the Netflix season and that and now properly wrapped up with the end of season seven, um, you don't tend to remember the downtime, like the down periods of that show. I would even venture to say that most people can safely forget about 50% of Clone Wars. I mean, you have to remember that there are upwards of 150 episodes of Star Wars, the Clone Wars. And I'm just going to tell you that not every one of them was a banger. You know, you had a lot of infested kind of mixed in there. And given that we're getting some of these types of episodes from Bad Batch, that's what leads me to believe that they're very comfortable throwing in some, some pit stops, some detours, some, you know, filler, dare, dare you say, uh, because they're comfortable with the idea that this show is likely going to continue on for at least another season, potentially multiple more seasons, which means that you can't just, you know, go out and shoot your entire load in one fucking season. You have to intersperse some of these pit stops in there so you can draw out your episode counts so you can build your world so you can have a little bit more, uh, a few more episodes per season. So while I do agree with Matt, with Matt's assessment that Infested was likely one of the worst episodes of the season, I still, I'm okay with it because you need these types of episodes in there to, to kind of, uh, not tell your entire story in, in eight episodes and in one season. Um, so yes, I, I, I will, I will say that one thing too, that I will say about star Wars, which I think is funny. And I think this can apply to a lot of other, like not even just star Wars, but just to content media in general. Um, there's, there's a scene in infested that, doesn't quite mirror a scene. I won't even call it a scene. There's an action in Infested that also happens in War Mantle. And it just goes to show you that uh, that actions in Star Wars and in other properties uh, don't always have the same effect. It has the effect that you intend at the time. So what I'm talking about is in Infested, at one point, Durand is going through and i think he's trying to he's he's trying to find um the bad batch as they try to steal his shipment of spice that he's supposed to give the pikes 
and he's going through the facilities and at one point he he encounters a locked door he can't open it there you know, somebody's down there and they're trying to, to pick it open and it's just taking too long so what does Duran do he takes out his pistol and boom shoots the lock and what does the door do it opens door opens when lock is shot okay established in infested but in the next episode in war mantle the same thing happens where the bad batch is running from the uh the now better looking stormtroopers the the non-clone troopers the war mantle troopers uh they make it through a blast door and what happens? One of the bats shoots the lock and the door locks. So what, you, what, what have you learned from this? When you shoot a lock, your intention happens, not necessarily one specific thing. So if you want to shoot the lock and have the door open, just think about that and it'll happen. And if you want to shoot the lock and have the door closed, just think that you want it to, to close and that'll happen. I just thought that was funny. I mean, I like... And we've seen it multiple times in the in the movies and, and even the other TV series for Star Wars. It always seems that shooting a lock is the way to get something done, whether it be to open a door or to close a door. So I just thought that that was a funny juxtaposition. OK, so before we kick it off to my thoughts on episode 14, War Mantle, I want to pass it over to... Mr. Matt Haywood, because he had a nice pre-recorded opinion session for you guys to listen to. So I'm going to kick it over to Matt right now and let him regale you with his thoughts, his Easter eggs and his key moments from uh, from War Mantle. And then I will come back to you and give you my thoughts and and, and, and share some of my uh, feedback on the show coming back from. Matt. So take it away, Matt. Hey now, everybody. I tease that this may happen. I knew I wouldn't be able to let an episode like War Mantle go without being able to express some of my hot air. So here we go, and then I'll go ahead and turn it back to Nick in the solo show. Uh, But overall, huge fan of S1 E14. Definitely a major rebound from last week's episode, Infested, which quite frankly was just a a bore fest. I mean, I talked about it in, on episode 172 of the Star Wars Time Show and how Infested just really didn't progress anything in the Bad Batch and was easily the season's worst episode by far. But that was not the case with War Mantle, which, quite frankly, I thoroughly appreciated for multiple reasons. Uh, it had a good mix of Easter eggs and Star Wars references, but more importantly, it had some pretty... Uh, hardcore key moments in terms of things we need to be focusing on for the future of Bad Batch, but also just some of the lore and, and some of the uh, fleshing out of the, the the universe we got in this episode. So uh, I'll, I'll kind of start with what I enjoyed the most was just I, I love the first introduction of the TKs, the Stormtrooper units. I love the Ralph McQuarrie uh, style they went with. I mean, it's almost spot on to his original concept art. They they had those slightly larger helmets, you know, with a ridge, the 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 more fierce looking eyes. So I, I 100% appreciated seeing Gen One stormtroopers. I also loved all of the nods to Republic Commando. I mean, this was a basically a Republic Commando fanboy treat. 
I mean, let alone just seeing clone commandos, but the fact that Scorch was included. Yes, Scorch from Delta Squad, the Republic commandos gain. That was the gray and yellow clone commando that almost beat the shit out of the Bad Batch. Let's be real. It took all three of them, plus Gregor, to take him down. And he wounded Gregor. So I, I just, I loved that nod to Republic Commandos, to that character. Uh, I mean, let's be real. Delta Squad was the first Bad Batch, if you will, the first elite clone force. So uh, trust me, that this was all by design to uh, kind of put that nod to Scorch in there, Republic Commandos, and how they were the genesis ultimately for the Bad Batch and, and them being a special force clone unit. Um, I really enjoyed the facility. I, I mean, full on Empire vibes there. I mean, it was almost like they were on the Death Star from the, uh, the, the, the walls, the blast doors. Uh, the, the the consoles they tapped into. I mean, everything felt like we were watching A New Hope. I mean, they even had a prison rescue. So uh, a huge fan of just the, the, the tone of the episode and how hardcore it slanted towards feeling like original trilogy material. I mean, even, even the, the uh, orchestral score during the rescue was... Um, spot on to what you heard in A New Hope when Kenobi was going around, sneaking around, trying to uh, disable the tractor beam. Um, in terms of key moments and things I, I want people to, to pay attention to, obviously the first one is going to be narcissistic. I absolutely appreciate that they paid off on one of my main wants for this show, and that was to see how Gregor and Wolf end up with Rex. So we got one part of that puzzle has been shown to us. Uh, so I, I, I thoroughly appreciate the fact that they showed how Gregor made it out, broke his conditioning, all that fun stuff. All right. So just like some of the other clones, it's, it's clear now that they can lose their conditioning, their allegiance to the Empire. Uh, he even mentioned, though, that some clones are still choosing to remain loyal to the Empire, like Scorch. Uh, so all big stuff, informative stuff. Uh, but like I said, anytime I get a prediction right, and I did predict that we'd see the rescue of Wolf and Gregor, at least we got one part of it right, I'm always going to sit there and mention that because I'm kind of an ass like that, right? But those of you that listen to the show, you get it. You love it or you hate it, right? The main dude, he is loud and crazy. Uh, clearly, the um, hunter getting captured is is huge. I think this is going to be the uh, main fixation of the final two episodes plots, rescuing Hunter. And this could very well introduce the thing I've been postulating all along. And that is the redemption of Crosshair, who shows up to rub it in Hunter's face at the end that he's been captured. I don't know. I just, I just feel like somehow, some way, Crosshair's going to snap out of it and help his bros in the end, probably to the detriment to his own life. Um, so that's big. I mean, Hunter getting captured is huge. Like I said, it's going to drive the final two episodes and what the Batch gets into. The stakes are about as real as ever for the Batch. And then finally, something else uh, I, I took note of, and I think everyone else should too, 
And that's the fact that we're we're really starting to get to see Admiral Rampart's plans here for the clone forces and the Kaminoans. I mean, at the beginning, talking to Crosshair, they're shipping all the clones off of Kamino somewhere. I don't know if they're just going to, you know, is this the genocide moment? Are they taking them somewhere just to execute them all? Uh, who knows? Because it, it is clear some clones are loyal to the Empire, but I don't know if they want to keep them at all. Uh, so we got to see that. that they're the, the, the ball is in motion. Plans are in motion. Uh, we're, we're, we're definitely headed towards the full transition from the clone army to the conscripted army, War Mantle, a.k.a. the Stormtroopers. But also at the end, he, he um, gave us some important revelations, and that's the fact that, yeah, he pretty much took out Lamasu. I'm, I'm guessing Lamasu isn't long for this world if he wasn't already taken out by those clone command or the uh, elite clone commandos. But but uh, curiously, he is very interested in Nalase and her scientific abilities, and you know I kind of postulated this speculated in my breakdown video which you should check out on our youtube channel by the way star wars time show on youtube uh but i believe the fact that rampart you know he's an imperial agent uh, wanting to have someone with clone uh science uh, clone science skills kind of baked into their repertoire uh, is is very informative. I mean, the, the, this could 100% be how the Empire gets into its own cloning for for Palpatine, and ultimately the the cloning tech and the cloning facility we saw in the Mandalorian season two. So uh, you know, it appears that they are going to use Nalase to either gain insights into her knowledge in cloning, or to you know force her into servitude to do cloning stuff for the Empire. Uh, but I, I, I do think it's very important to that Rampart specifically wanted her for her scientific skills because it undoubtedly will play into uh, the Empire's own cloning initiatives for the Emperor and whatever the hell may be going on in The Mandalorian. All right, my friends, like I said, just, just a few minutes for me to talk. Now I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Nick. He'll deliver the rest of the show, his own take on the Bad Batch S1E14 War Mantle and everything else you need to know to be in the know for that galaxy that is so far, far away. May the force be with you. So, sun's out, bums are out, and hopefully your pubes are not out, right? Also, flip-flop season is upon us and you're out here with those post-pandemic toenails. Don't worry, friends. Our friends at Manscaped have you covered. They just launched their fourth generation performance package in the Shears 2.0 Nail Grooming Kit. Join the Manscaped movement by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code SWTS. And like I was saying, Matt and I have been lucky enough to test out the performance package 4.0. That includes the new trimmer. That includes the new nail shears. And that includes all of the awesome stuff that comes with it, including the foot deodorant, which I use on a daily basis because I have kind of eh feet and being able to take care of them with the Shears 2.0 nail grooming kit and with the foot deodorant has been top notch for me. Uh, the performance package 4.0 includes the new lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer will change the way you approach, approach your grooming routine. 
The fourth generation trimmer features advanced skin safe technology to reduce grooming accidents. You won't, uh, you don't want any ingrown hairs or snags on your boys before beach season. The lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor with an on off travel lock and gives you the ability to turn on the 4,000 K led spotlight, which is actually really useful if you, uh are in the dark or, or if you just kind of have, a, have like a dimly lit bathroom that doesn't have like good overhead lighting the 4000k led spotlight works really well if the power grid goes out in texas again yes thank you that's where i live we did lose power for quite a while uh you can use your lawnmower 4.0 to illuminate the way with this led spotlight i i have actually done it before because i don't want to burn my cell phone battery especially if the power's out by using a flashlight and i can't always remember where my flashlights are so hey sometimes you just got to pick up the trimmer the the lawnmower 4.0 and light your way the trimmer is also waterproof so you can trim in the shower and not worry about your cleanup on aisle d that is very helpful the performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker to chop your worst weeds up Top in your nose and ears. I've used that quite often. And it's been it's been nice to not have just like nose hairs tickling me and stuff like that. Just top notch all around for men's grooming, top notch. The weed whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. So it gets all around there. You don't have to like spin it in your nose or twist it in. You put it in there, you give it a little swirl and then bingo bango. The 360 degree rotary dual blade system handles it all. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those sensitive little nostrils of yours. Use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to keep uh, you on your game in the heat. And I've, I've definitely been using both of those regularly. The, the deodorant in particular, I now have two deodorants to put on uh, after a shower, the underarm deodorant and the ball. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their performance 4.0 package. The Manscaped boxers, which I'm wearing right now and are absolutely fantastically comfortable and the shed travel bag. Bring your comfort in boxers to another level. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools and it includes slashed tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Like I said, I use pretty much all of them because I need to get my nail game on point. If you're wearing flip-flops and don't want people to see those nasty unclipped toes of yours, uh, use the Shears 2.0 nail, nail clipping uh, luxury kit. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SWTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code SWTS at manscaped.com. Tame that summer swamp in your pants with Manscaped. Thank you to Manscaped. Thank you to everybody who has supported us by using our code on manscaped.com. Every purchase that you make through them helps us out, helps pay for our server costs, and just generally helps the show. Um, you can use the code SWTS on any purchase on manscaped.com, uh, whether it be the, you know, the performance package 2.0, the lawnmower 4.0 or the, uh, or anything else on the site. 
So there you go. Thank you to Manscaped. All right. Thank you, Matt. We are, we are back here. And I, overall, I, I have to agree with Matt that I think that this was one of the, the best episodes of the season. Um, War Mantle, this episode is essentially the beginning of a three-episode arc to close out season one. Um, the capture of Hunter at the end, the confrontation with, with Crosshair, um, is essentially setting up it could be setting up what, what Matt had mentioned and what we had talked about in previous episodes leading up to this or, um, you know, for the entire season, which was the eventual showdown of the, of the batch versus crosshair and the potential, um, turn of crosshair back to the good side. And, you know, in Matt's opinion, his ultimate death, as he's mentioned, um, now that I kind of, you know, think about the show a little bit more and, and have now settled into the idea that the Bad Batch is likely going to be multiple season type of series, I'm not 100% in on that, you know? I'm, I'm not 100% in on that we may get this ultimate showdown at the end of season one because if there is a season two, which I'm assuming there will be, it, it, it actually would be better to keep crosshair around as a point of antagonism through season two and, and, and kind of draw that encounter out a little bit more. Um, I mean, yeah, it would be a fucking awesome way to end season one. And then, you know, you essentially have the, like the, the resolution of that plot arc done in one season. But I think if they wanted to, you could, you know, extend crosshairs time as a villain into season two and, and, um, not necessarily have to wrap that up in season one. Um, obviously, if they do, it would still work out perfectly because now you have, uh, you know, a more established post-clone world uh, on the Imperial side that we have transitioned to, which was another huge part of this episode. We talked about this a lot leading up. Um, we figured that War Mantle was essentially going to be the full transition from clone forces to um war mantle forces or conscripted soldiers and that's definitely what we saw in this episode you get the uh the tk designation that is now assigned to these new soldiers that aren't clones that that uh that tech mentions you know he says that uh oh tk i don't know that designation um and obviously we know tk421 and all of the other tks from the uh, from the original trilogy. So that transition has happened. Um, you get the, again, like Matt mentioned in his video or his uh, little spiel earlier, uh, you get the introduction of essentially phase one stormtroopers. Um, the the Macquarie-esque design of the stormtrooper helmet that start, you start to see the evolution towards the stormtrooper helmets that we see in the original trilogy. I thought that that was really amazing to see. Um, you get the super commandos, uh, the clone super commandos that were included in this. And like Matt mentioned, you essentially get scorch, scorch from Republic commandos included in this episode. Um, there were, there were a ton of great things in here, but obviously the one standout one that we've been calling for since basically the beginning of, of bad batch was 
how are we going, like when and how are we going to see uh, the three, the three main clones come together? And those three main clones are Rex, Wolf, and Gregor. Uh, we have two now, thanks to this episode. We, you know, earlier in the season, we got our, our uh, Bad Batch intro to Rex. And now we have the rescue of Gregor designation CC5576 in this episode. So essentially what happens in, in War Mantle is Rex sends the Batch on a rescue mission to, to get a reg. And you don't know who the reg is, but if you're one of us, if you're, a, if you're crazy, then you knew it was either going to be Gregor or Wolf. And uh, once the Batch undertakes the mission and, and gets to the, the cell of the reg inside of this hidden Imperial facility, you find out that it is Gregor. So now, now the pieces are starting to come together. Uh, we still have yet to see Wolf and where he is and how we, how we link back up with him, but at least we have Gregor here again. Um, you know, Matt, Matt went through a lot of his Easter eggs and stuff like that. Uh, I mentioned a few of them with the TK helmet, the, you know, obviously Gregor being in there. Um, the clone commando scorch from from Republic Commando, um, and I, I mean overall this episode was it was super good. I mean this is what we were kind of waiting for, and I think this is what we were all hoping to see at the end of season one is like this kind of this reckoning, this post clone era reckoning for the Empire, and not only do you see that through the TK designation and the use of more conscripted soldiers, you also see it through what, what we essentially believe is the, is the murder of, of Lama Sue and then the capture of Nala Say. And it was very interesting, like, like Matt mentioned in his breakdown, is that we were under the assumption that they would just kind of go scorched earth on the actual Kaminoans and then maybe have some of the human or other scientists that weren't Kaminoans um, captured and, and then put to work under the Imperial banner. But it looks like uh, Nala Say is actually going to be captured and not killed immediately where Lama Su is, is likely already executed. Um, so, and then that obviously sets up a lot of further things, like Matt mentioned in his breakdown, the clone facility that we see in Mandalorian, the continued existence of Kamino and scientists like uh, the doctor from Mando. And now we have the potential. We're setting up what is essentially the Tross, uh, the Tross kind of twist where the the emperor is still alive except in a clone body and that's kind of what we've been working towards this whole time i'm sure this is you know this will feed into that narrative overall um so i thought that that this episode not only did a fantastic job of setting up uh the next two like the the penultimate and the ultimate episode of uh, season one of Bad Batch, but I think it does do a good job of just setting up further narratives. Wait, you know, narratives that come way later. I mean, you're talking upwards of 20 plus years until we see the clone facility on Mandalorian, in, in the Mandalorian on uh, Navarro. And then you're obviously still much further out from that until you encounter the clone emperor 
and Tross. So it's cool to see that that the team working on Bad Batch and that they're you know they're already working on these through lines and they know what they have to connect and stuff like that. So um, I thought that that was really cool that that was all included in this episode. Um, Bad Batch is definitely living up to my expectations. I know that there's been a lot of talk of, of filler and everything like that, and I kind of addressed that earlier uh, when we first started talking about the show, but I think that you, like, you have to realize, and what I don't think a lot of people understand is, is, is that episodes like Infested are needed for episodes like War Mental to exist. Um, you know, if we were to just cut, if you were to say, you know, quote unquote, cut the filler and just get right to the story. Uh, episode or season one would have been seven episodes, eight episodes max. You know, there there is a lot of stuff in there that you could have cut if you just wanted to follow the through line. If you just wanted to follow the main overarching story plot. Um, and, I, and I don't think that people realize that Clone Wars has as much filler as it does. Um, and I know that if you're, you know, if you're uh, the, one of the people who have started a rewatch or have done a complete rewatch of, of all the Clone Wars, then you know exactly how much filler is in there. And it's a lot. I mean, there are episodes where you don't even see uh, Anakin or Obi-Wan or Ahsoka or anybody. You spend whole episodes with the droids. And, you know, that's the kind of sh- multiple times that, that that's happened in Clone Wars. And, you know, you have to understand I think people just have to accept that in a in a TV series that's expected to go multiple seasons, you can't just bang out, you know, arcing story episode next to arcing story episode next to arcing story episode and and have 120 plus episodes in a series. There are going to be some that are down. I know it sucks when, you know, you're working off of a weekly scheduled release and you don't have bingeable content like you do on Netflix because you have to have you you essentially have one down episode. And you have to sit with it for a week. Yeah, that does suck. But, you know, uh, I think overall for the quality that we've gotten out of Bad Batch so far, I'm, I'm happy to uh, to have a few down episodes here, uh, especially when an episode like War Mantle exists that that really does push stuff forward in a significant way. Um, so I was a huge, huge fan of that. Um, but yes, if if you haven't seen Bad Batch yet, or if you're if you're waiting on it, if you're sleeping on it, or if you're kind of waiting until season one is fully out before you start watching it, I would I would just recommend that you just start watching it now. I mean, War Mantle, like I said, is the first episode of the of the three episode arc to end season one, and it does it in a really great fashion. So uh, very excited about the. Bad Batch's final two episodes. Uh, looking forward to it very much. Check it out. What, 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 what's it all about? Um, okay, so that's Bad Batch, season one, episode 14, War Mantle. Matt gave you the egg rundown. I gave you my thoughts on the episode and my thoughts on the series as a whole. So uh, check it out. Let us know what you thought about it. Well, actually, you'll do that because you already have in the question of the week, which I'll get to later. Um, I'm not going to do a full recap of the of Star Wars number 15. Um, Matt put out his recap and review video on YouTube. So if you've been keeping up with his um, his run through the Star Wars comic world, go check out the video. 
uh, Star Wars number 15 recap and review. Uh, check it out on the Star Wars Time Show YouTube channel. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. Like I said, this has been a pretty slow week in terms of Star Wars. Slow and mellow. Slow and low. Uh, but one of the things, we, we actually did get three pieces of news this week, and, and two of them I already ran through. Terrifying Tales, the Felicity Jones piece on uh, her being very much open to a return to Jenner. So and this last piece here is actually just fun. I put it towards the back end because this is technically toy news. Toys done by Nick, right? Except it's not the toys that you guys are used to hearing about. Um, the toy this week is a brand new reveal from Star Wars and Tamagotchi. Yes, if you are a child of the 90s, uh, like I was, you know that Tamagotchis were like the most popular toy ever to exist, ever. Tamagotchis and Neopets. For those of you who are not ch uh, children of the 90s and have no fucking clue what a Tamagotchi is, I will explain it to you because it is very, very stupid. Um, Tamagotchis are virtual pets, essentially. They are little electronic devices that you can carry around in your pocket, and it has a little virtual creature on it for you to take care of. Um, Tamagotchis essentially require you to uh, interact with them a few times during the day. Uh, the old ones where they were like more modeled after like dogs or cats, you would have to like clean up their poop, play with them, feed them you know, train them and all these little things on this little, it's literally an egg shaped little, uh, handheld device. Not even, I mean, like it fits, it'll fit in the palm of your hand, even if you have a small hand. Um, and it was just like a little, a little, a little animal that you kept with you in your pocket, a little virtual animal that you kept with you in your pocket. And I hadn't heard from Tamagotchi since I was a kid, you know, I had one. Mine was uh, a black and orange uh, little plastic shell egg. And then I believe I had a, a little dog. And you'd have to clean up the poop and play with it and feed it and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but now Tamagotchi and Star Wars have collaborated to make an R2-D2 Tamagotchi. So yes, you can have your very own R2-D2 virtual pet that you carry around in your pocket at all times. Um, the R2-D2 Tamagotchi is going to release on November 11th this year. Um, so if you're, if you're a nostalgia, uh, you know, loving person and, and you're a kid of the 90s, then here you go. I mean, like, there's nothing more fucking nostalgic for you as a kid of the 90s than an R2-D2 Tamagotchi. And I mean, they... It's not it doesn't even look like from what I've seen so far and from what the from what the, the, the images from uh, what we got from Star Wars show. It doesn't even look like they've really updated the UI or the UX that much like it is literally still like kind of that that like light green screen, the black pixels to create your little your little virtual pet. And then the, the, the three buttons on the bottom that you use to control it. It's literally just stock. And locked Tamagotchi, except this time it's R2-D2. Um, I'm very interested to see what kind of things they're going to have you do. Obviously, R2-D2 doesn't poop, so you're not going to need to clean up poop. 
Uh, maybe you'll have to give him oil baths like he like Luke did in episode four. Maybe you'll have to uh, scrape some carbon scoring off of him. Uh, maybe you're going to have to, uh, you know, update his programming or, or teach him some new uh, some new tricks and stuff like that. But uh, get ready. November 11th is when the Star Wars R2-D2 Tamagotchi will be hitting shelves near you. Um, I, I, I even said in the article on StarWarsTime.net, I'm probably not going to get one. Uh, it would literally only be for pure nostalgia purposes that I would get one. There is no way that, uh, that I would actually care for Tamagotchi because I just like, I had fun when I was a kid, you know, when I was like 10, nine or 10 years old with that, but I just don't have a desire to do that as a 30 year old plus man. Uh, just, just not something that I'm interested in. But you know what? Uh, depending on their price point, maybe I'll just pick up one for nostalgia purposes and have it, you know, sit on my my shelf next to all of my other tchotchkes and stuff. Um, yeah. So there you go. There's your toy news out there, everybody. Star Wars R2D2 Tamagotchi coming November 11th. Look at that. All right, everybody. That's gonna bring us into our fan segment for this week and you know we always kick the fan segment off with the question of the week and the question of the week this week actually does have quite a few responses usually we were only getting about five responses per week which was a little disappointing um but this time we we got a few i'm still only gonna read five but you know what i'm i'm happy to see that more people are interacting with the with the question of the week and giving your thoughts on the bad batch um, so we'll start it off with, uh, with, with Sir Dork 730. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's a, he's a big fan of the show. He's an up and coming toy photographer. Um, just, a you know, a, a really fantastic young talent in the toy photography world. Everybody knows Sir Dork. If you don't know Sir Dork 730, get your head out of your ass. Just kidding. All right. Uh, so Jared says, definitely my favorite episode so far. So many reasons. I just hope that Gonky is doing okay. That's the first. He's right. It's the first time that that Gonky has actually ever done anything to help the batch out. And it was when they were essentially on their escape after Hunter gets captured at the end of the episode. Um, and they get hit around their, their aft section of the ship and it shuts down one of the engines. You know what? Gonky saves the day. He's walking through the ship, freaking out like gonk droids are want to do. And then Omega grabs him, says, Gonky, you can help us. Plugs him into the ship, gets everything booted back up, and the batch is able to. Um, Random Picks NJ says, hearing Gregor's kind of creepy laugh. Yeah, right? That was, you know, it was interesting. The, 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 the creepy laugh from Gregor definitely had, had an effect the first time you hear it. It was very fun. Uh, Zane Reeves vision says seeing Scorch and what the inhibitor chip did to him. He always, he was always the one who had a sense of humor in battle and seeing him completely silent really emphasizes the effects of the chips, uh, have on the clones and their personalities. That's very true. Very true. It was this just Scorch, Scorch's inclusion overall in this episode was really cool that they're still paying homage to those old, old school video game characters. So I was, I was um, next up, Black Star Wars Black Series Clips. He says, 
Seeing the phase one stormtroopers was a highlight for me. There was so much to like in this one, but the callback to the early Macquarie designs was badass. I mean, anytime you get like Macquarie inspired uh, stuff in the visual format, the, the moving pictures for Star Wars, it's always awesome. I think that's why I was always attracted to the Rebels version of Darth Vader because it does have more of that Macquarie look to it, especially in the helmet. And yeah, seeing the, I mean, the, now that we've dubbed the phase one stormtroopers, it was, it was really cool that they still pull from Ralph McQuarrie's work um, all these years later. Um, Tones1138 says, love the first blood themes to it. Gregor being hunted in the woods uh, and hunters fall from the cliff through the trees. The base and planet were straight out of the Thrawn trilogy from Tim Zahn's novels. Uh, Mount Tantus on the planet Wayland from The Last Command. Um, and as for the musical score, absolutely incredible. Music straight out of A New Hope that fit perfectly for the chase uh, slash rescue through the base. Uh, this episode felt like felt more like Star Wars than any other I have watched and at times took me back to my childhood with the combined audio and video. Absolutely incredible episode. Yes, I mean, I agree with that. This one was... Like we're we're starting to get more into that a new hope area now. Like we're starting to see not only um the the universe as a whole shift make that shift more toward the a new hope timeline because of the imperial grip uh tightening across the galaxy, but you're also seeing it in the visual medium, like Tones just said. You're seeing proper stormtroopers now or the evolution of, of towards stormtroopers, you're seeing the TK designation or you're hearing that TK designation and, and everything is feeling much more a new hope, original trilogy, like towards the end of season one of, of bad batch. So I, I was also a huge fan of that. Uh, Max Maldini says he, uh, it was great to see what is starting to unfold for the season's finale. This episode is, the best so far, and it is crucial to the fate of the clones and their makers. We shall see how the Empire will try to get rid of the remaining clone forces and how they wake up uh, from their Order 66 lucid dream. I love the concept stormtroopers and the scorches as well. Um, yes, indeed. Huffman Stevens says, when Hunter said to Gregor, I thought you trained these guys, and Gregor's response, I didn't teach them anything. That wouldn't be that wouldn't be too smart. No, it was a hundred percent. And like even beyond that, like Hunter, you know, like I mean, you know, they, they or, or Gregor says like it's like yeah, they're good, but they're not they're not good like us, you know, like. And I think that's something that we were always very curious about leading into this. Like, why would they move away from clones? And aside aside from you know, well, now we see that even after being trained by some of the best that the clone forces had to offer, they're still not going to meet that deadly precision. They're still not going to meet that that level of execution that clones had. And I think that, you know, this this may give some context to the line that that always famous line from Kenobi back in the day in A New Hope. It's like, See these blast points too too precise for sand people. Only imperial only imperial stormtroopers are that accurate. 
and uh, you know, as we know now, leading up to a new hope, uh, Kenobi was essentially stuck in stuck in, in the desert for twenty years, and he missed a lot of what was happening during that time. And I don't know how many interactions he actually had with TK designation stormtroopers. Um, he probably remembers the the clone troopers and 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 knows that post order 66 and he remembers man all of the all of the clone troopers who were under my command these these elite fighting soldiers who were bred and born for one purpose he he was more hearkening towards that you know more talking about the clone forces that he worked with in their ultimate betrayal uh, because of Order 66, and he probably wasn't as familiar with TK designation, the war mantle conscripted soldiers from across the galaxy, which essentially turned out to be buffoons for the most part. Um, but, you know, now we also know that it wasn't, it just wasn't possible to continue to make um, clone troopers because of the material degradation, the, the genetic degradation from Django Fett's original sample. And then obviously... Uh, the Camino is no longer having access to Omega to harvest from her. So um, it is kind of interesting to see how the evolution of the Imperial Army is now changing uh, that, the, that the clone troopers are being phased out, for lack of a better term. Um, Mando Muggle says, that Scorch cameo as the elevator doors open, then I realized Delta Squad's going to be the bad guys. Yeah, if they, I mean, well, we have to see if they're going to bring in the rest of Delta Squad, but um, yes, yes, the, the Scorch stuff was, was awesome. Um, <laughs> a figure, figure eight photo says Scorch and nothing else, not even Gregor, not even the Mark, not even the Macquarie. I, I thought you said Marquee, but the Macquarie Stormtroopers, full on Scorch, stole the show. Um, and then. Captain Hauser 66 says the early TK armor and fresh batch of stormtroopers. Yes. I mean, those, the, the, I, I feel like the, the, the general consensus here is, is seeing the, that switch, seeing the, the, the flip of war mantle switch away from clone designated troopers to the conscripted soldiers or the volunteer soldiers that, that the empire has been gathering throughout the galaxy. So, um, Really awesome stuff there from, from War Mantle, Bad Batch Season 1, Episode 14. And thank you to everybody who responded to our question of the week. Uh, we, we always enjoy when we get to hear your thoughts on things. So please, uh, every Tuesday morning, check our Instagram. There will be a post that is soliciting your thoughts on Question of the Week. So make sure to go there and drop your thoughts. Um, and that will take us to... The top five Star Wars fan arts features of the week. Put together by me, your solo host for this cast, Nick. But these shots are picked out. Well, you know, I pick my shots out from Matt's weekly work of, of picking out the, 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 the photos that we were tagged in using hashtag Star Wars time, hashtag Star Wars time show and using uh, the tag at Star Wars time show on posts so if you want to get involved in this segment if you want to potentially get your shot featured in the top five segment for the week make sure to use hashtag star wars time show make sure to add us at star wars time show when you post your images that is how we will see you that is how matt will 
gather your image if it is to his liking to be featured on our on our uh instagram feed and that is how you will be entered to be a top five winner the top five this week start off with at nicholas schvetz at n-i-c-o-l-a-s underscore s-h-v-e-t-s on instagram and uh, Nicholas is a, he's, he's a digital artist, photo manipulator. So this is not a toy shop, but what we have here is an absolutely killer represent, representation of, uh, of what I'll call what, what some in the, uh, in our fandom have, have dubbed the Mandalokian. And I really love that, that term. So what you essentially see is full Beskar Mando. So, uh, full Beskar Mando from the Mandalorian with some awesome Loki horns coming out of the helmet. And then on the on the chest plate, on the Beskar chest plate of the Mando is etched on the the Loki helmet with horns kind of uh, crest on there, you could say. And I mean, this is just fantastic. A perfect crossover between two Disney franchises in the background, too. You can see the, the Loki style, um, the Loki style background with the clock going on here. It has an excellent like. Uh, like bronzed tone to it as well to match with that that Loki color palette. You can even see that Nicholas uh, changed the the garment color, the the Mando Under Armour garment color to the green to to match the the Loki variants and such through the in the in the show. So I mean, this was just an absolutely fantastic uh visual representation slash photo manipulation from nicholas schvetz of a mandalokian um i know this is uh this is a visual cast uh visual i mean not this is not a visual podcast right now because we're not doing a live stream and there will be no uh like you know live stream showing on, on youtube but if you want to see this particular image make sure to 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 go to at nicholas and icolas underscore shvets on Instagram and, and check this image out. You'll see the Mandalokian as soon as you hit his page. It is it is truly a, a work of art. So uh beautiful stuff here. And next up for our top five, we have at collectors.orbit. And what we're looking at here is an awesome action shot of Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker. Um, and again, like I, I'm taking this as an as a, like an alternate path for Luke during episode six. So it looks like he is on the the floor of the forest moon of Endor. He is not, uh, you know, he's he's actually on the battlefield um, when when the stormtrooper fighting is going on. So he didn't make his way into the, uh, you know, into the Death Star and, and have his ultimate showdown. With Vader, he's actually on the ground on indoor, cutting stormtroopers' heads off and fighting uh, through the battlefield. And I thought that was awesome. It was a really good pose, kind of like a like crouched down, striking back with his green lightsaber pose. You see the the storm. There's two stormtroopers in the background. One of them literally decapitated, his head flying above his body. The other one kind of standing, staring there. Standing there staring at him like, man, maybe I made a bad decision to approach Luke Skywalker. Um, and I just thought it was a really cool action shot. Decapitation shots are always really cool, especially when it's a stormtrooper bucket flying through the air. So I was a big fan of that. Uh, yeah, just, just, just good stuff all around by at collectors.orbit. 
on the IG. Make sure to go give him a follow. And once you do, you can check out that shot on his feed. There you go. Next up is one that is near and dear to my heart and, and is a character that we don't often get to see in the toy photography space. And this is from at Mr. Dejarin. So at M-R-D-J-A-R-I-N. So this is this is Din Dejarin himself right here putting up toy photography on the IG. And what we see is a, is a Lego photograph, a Lego shot of Darth Malgus. And Darth Malgus, for those unfamiliar, is the main antagonist of Star Wars The Old Republic MMO, SWOTOR, as I uh, call it on the show sometimes. And Darth Malgus is an imposing figure. He's kind of this mix between, um, you know, the, the bottom face mask respirator of Darth Malik and the like the really kind of burnt kind of decrepit looking facial aspects of Darth Vader. Um, he, he too was, was shocked by lightning and had some facial scarring come from that. Um, and just overall, he is a very worn person, but this Lego figure of Darth Malgus, he's essentially the, the Darth Vader of the old Republic uh, is the best way to put it. But this Lego figure of Darth Malgus is absolutely fantastic. And I don't know if this is a custom fabricated um, little cloak here from Mr. Dejarin, but he does have a soft goods cloak that he's whipping with the hood up. He even went in and added in post-processing some lighting effects to the respirator mask. Um, and so what you see is, is Darth Malgus's little Lego figure walking through a, a looks like it's a, an Imperial shuttle or an Imperial ship at the time that's on fire. You see the fire effects in the background in the foreground. You see Boca from the fire, you know, little spark coming up, smoke in the background. Excellent atmospheric work for such for, for you know, a Lego shot for Mr. Jajarin and an absolutely imposing grab of a Lego figure, which is always really fun to see for me when you can make a figure that is essentially an inch tall look imposing like Mr. Dejarin was able to do with this Darth Malgus uh, Lego minifig. I mean, it's just always top notch work. So uh, excellent work at Mr. M-R-D-J-A-R-I-N on Instagram. Mr. Dejarin. Thank you. Uh, next up, number four for this week is our good friend, True Perry. True Perry has an absolutely, it's, it's kind of a heartbreaking shot when you think about it. Uh, True Perry has a an Imperial Scout trooper uh, standing over the corpses of two Ewoks that he's just killed in cold blood. And, and this is uh, an Imperial Scout trooper, a.k.a. a sharpshooter, because you can see that as he is standing over these fallen Ewoks, he has his sniper rifle drawn with smoke actively coming out of the barrel. And, you know, the the work that... True Perry did on the shot, excuse me, is actually super fucking good. I mean, the weathering that he did on the scout trooper is fantastic. Like you can see just dirt and grime on his, on his, uh, on his armor. He's got some, some leather, uh, some cloth wraps around his arms and his wrists. He's got cloth wraps around his gun. Um, and an awesome, 
I mean, I don't know where this cloak is from. I think it might be like a mud trooper cloak or something else like the like the uh, solo mud trooper cloak. Um, but I can't tell. I'm not really good at, at picking out like hit bash stuff. But the, the, the scout trooper also has this cloak, this like brown muddy cloak over his back to clearly like, you know, try to give him some camouflage when he's laying in the brush because white armor would be pretty easy to pick out if you're laying in green grass. And uh, he's just kind of like, you know, in, in the shot, he's standing over one of the bodies, just kind of has a foot on it, like pushing it to ensure that he's, that he's deceased and just kind of looking down at it in a, in a relatively nonchalant way. I just thought it was a fantastic shot from True Perry. It really captures the, uh, the wartime feeling of Star Wars. I think that like, we always like forget the the gritty side of Star Wars, which has really only been shown like the actual brown battles of Star Wars that don't include, you know, force users that don't include ships and stuff like that. This actually does kind of ev evoke the, the actual war that is happening in Star Wars. So uh, absolutely uh, fantastic stuff here by True Perry, T-R-U-U-P-P-E-R-I on the ig go give him a follow and you can see this shot on speed too so if you click over to the true perry you'll see it and he even gives you a little behind the scenes on it too gotta love it. gotta love it. all right the last one for the top five we're coming to an end and i told you guys it was going to be sub hour and 20 minutes we're at an hour and about four or five minutes now so uh this last one here is from at Chez Picks 66 and it's a, it's a Chez Picks classic. Chez Picks Especial. And what if you know Chez, you know Chris, you know he's known for his natural light sand dunes shot. I don't know where uh, Chris is in the world, but he has an absolutely uh, beautiful sandy area somewhere near him where he just always gets the best natural light images. It, it almost looks like Chris lives on Tatooine from time to time. And then this shot in particular. So what we see is, is the, uh, is the Tatooine native Boba Fett. So, you know, the, the pre pre Neo Fett. So he's still whipping his, his gaffy stick and his, uh, his long rifle from the, from the uh, Tusken Raiders. He still has his cloak on and he's making his way through the Tatooine desert. And in the background, just perfectly executed by Chez, it, are the twin sons of Tatooine that are, that are perfectly separated, um, split by his long rifle. His long rifle kind of is sitting right in between the, the, the twin sons of Tatooine. And it's just, it's just a perfect shot of like, dust-filled atmospheric tattooing with the twin sons in the background and uh you know and boba fett approaching you uh it, it just captures that essence of of wanderer boba fett so perfectly and not only does it does it capture boba fett but it captures tattooing in general so perfectly i mean it's just a fantastic overall shot by at chess pick 66 on the ig and i mean like I said, if, if you're a fan of Chez or if you know of Chez, it's just so it's just top notch work. In fact, I think that like one of his he this might be like the second time in three weeks that he's made the top five because of 
just his creative work and, and using his environment to his advantage so well. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's just a, it's just a beautiful shot at chesspick 66 on the IG. Go give him a follow as well. And you know what? That's going to bring us to the end of the show this week. And I want to close out this show by, by thanking our sponsors, uh, Manscaped, for another awesome month of, of support. Uh, you know that we here at Star Wars Time Show, we love our Manscaped. And we love the support that they give us month over month for our program. And we also love all of the awesome things that they have given us so let's 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 give some some good words out there for Manscaped. so thank you to everybody who's listened to the star wars time show and as matt says if you listen to the star wars time show the force will be with you always <laughs>